moving along nicely. Um, it's the 1st of February, which means most things are back in action here at church. Uh, so your grow groups, you should be uh, getting off the starter, kicking off. If you talk to your grow group leaders, they'll be able to help you out with that. Also, we have missions kiosks back this week. Put your hands together. It means we can have fellowship lunch afterwards. I hope you brought your coins so you can buy some lunch. And then for, uh, for, for many of us, I've got to try and save my voice a little bit today because for many of us, we're going to be sitting back here for a number of hours this afternoon working through our child protection policy and duty of care. I'm looking forward to that. It's an amazing thing, and I like that excitement. I hope you bring that to the training as well. Amen? How about we pray? We'll just pray and just uh, come, to the, come around this time in the Word. Father, what an amazing time of worship in song we had this morning. To press forward in faith and to worship you and to praise you for the good things you have done. To exalt you, Lord God, as a body and as a congregation. Lord, is so close to our heart. It is like our number one thing to do. Lord, it is what happens when you break through. The worshippers go forth in praise and triumph. Thank you, Lord, that this prepares our heart to receive. I pray, Lord, that what you want to share with us today will move our hearts into alignment with you, will challenge us to trust, will challenge us to be more like you and to be a great witness for Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 We'll throw the slides up. Thanks, Joe. That'll be awesome. Um, We're starting a new series. Starting a new series, an in-house series, something uh, that we're titling God Is. Okay, Uh, We want to focus this next five weeks on learning a little bit about God. But you know, knowing about God is not knowing God. Many people attend church, don't they? But not every one of them are in relationship with God. Jesus talks about that when he talks about separating the sheep from the goats. He talks about that when, when, when he says, away from me for, you, uh, for I did not know you. So there's a sense about knowing who God is, is really, really important for us as his children. Amen? So not, knowing about God is not knowing God. But taking what we know of God and worshipping with a grateful heart brings us into a deeper intimacy with Him. Jesus came to reveal God the Father as someone who wants to know and be known by each of us intimately. He came to set the captives free, to break the power of sin and death, and also to open the way to the Father. In this new series titled God Is, we hope to draw our focus to God and seek to grow in our understanding and representation of Him. So you might understand Him, but you don't actually know Him until you become more like Him. Is that fair to say? You might know about God, but when you know God and you know who He is and you know what He's done in your life, You can be like God to those around you. Next week, Pastor Rodney will share on the topic that God is just. It's a good topic, I believe. And uh, then after that, we'll have God is holy. God is 
Pastor Jamie mentioned this quickly. God is sovereign. And lastly, we'll cap it off with a really good one on God is good. Okay? We're going to look at these attributes of God and uh, discover a little bit more about him. So our challenge over this time, will we choose to just take on what is said as knowledge? Or will we embrace these attributes of God, see that Jesus paid the high price to reveal them, and will we by grace receive and reveal these same attributes to those whom we are called to? The big questions, aren't they? It's one thing to know God. It's another thing to be with God. Okay? To know of God and to know and be with God. So God is this week faithful. That's our topic today. God is faithful. How do we best describe the term faithful? The first real reference of God's faithfulness is found in Deuteronomy 7.9, where God is named faithful. In his name, we see something that reveals who he is and who he had been to humanity since creation. Deuteronomy 7 and verse 8 says this, But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Verse 9, Now Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Who's thankful that God keeps his covenant to a thousand generations? I'm thankful for that. His name used in this passage, the, for, God is, for your God is God, the faithful God. His name used here is the name El Aman or Oman. Okay? Um, God is faithful. He is the God who keeps covenant. The God who keeps his word, who keeps his oath. He is El Oman. Okay? That's what we're learning here today. God is faithful. How do I best describe to you what faithfulness is? And this passage really shows us what it is. For us in today, we don't really understand the blood covenant things really well. And uh, the next couple of weeks or, or so, I've actually got to do some assignments on the blood covenants. I've got to get back into reading these things. But really in our Western society today, we don't quite understand the depths of the blood covenants that were made throughout history and how powerful they were and how binding they were and the consequences if they weren't fulfilled. But one thing we do understand is the covenant of marriage. Well, I would hope as Christian believers, followers of Jesus, that we would understand the covenant of marriage. In our modern society, we look at the covenant of marriage and we see that very first word. It is a covenant. It is a vow between one person and another. When we look at the Israelites, they would have understood this passage of Scripture really, really well. Because in their context, they would have understood what the covenants were and the oaths that God had swore to them. So we've got to sort of look at it from 
an outward appearance looking in more so than something that is relevant really to our lives. And this is where the marriage covenant really helps us to understand. Because God, what we're learning, is the God who would keep covenant. God is the God who is faithful to keep his oaths. He is the faithful God. He not only swears an oath, but it is his nature to keep it. So today, when I say, when I said I do to my loved one, my wife, I was making a covenant that on that evening was sealed in the consummation of that marriage. We won't go into the depths of all of that, obviously. But you've got to understand that the vow was made and a consummation was given. You can go through all the covenants in the Old Testament and there's one really, really good covenant where God passes through the animals himself, the the sacrifices himself, where he says, I'm keeping the covenant. We can look at these covenants and learn many, many, many things, but we can draw the same conclusion when we look at what it is to remain faithful in marriage. It is an oath that I swear before God and my family and my wife. And it was the same for you, for those of you that are married. It is a covenant that was made. Now, to break this covenant, we use the term in our modern-day language that we would be unfaithful. To venture out of the marriage bond and to seek another lover, to not fulfill our vow in the, the words for better and for worse, in sickness or in health, or even to not protect the other with our sheltering love, comfort, help and encouragement, is a gross breach of this covenant. To pledge an oath, then breach its conditions, is what we call unfaithfulness. So God makes a covenant, he makes an oath, and then he keeps his covenant through to more than a thousand generations. And it shows you that he is a faithful God. The passage says that he keeps covenant with steadfast love. It is like the marriage covenant that was made when I stood before God and my wife. We looked last week or even the week before really briefly at Abraham and Genesis 17.6 is another passage that we could look at. But to Abraham, God says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout your generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your offspring after you. And I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. God fulfilled this covenant. In Zechariah 8, you can read this passage later on, he talks about the gathering of the people of Israel from the east to the west. He talks about bringing them back into Jerusalem. And in May 1948, the nation of Israel was reborn. See, God keeps an everlasting covenant and it was fulfilled because he is faithful. So for the people of Israel, he brought them back into Jerusalem and establish their nation under God. Now, I don't want to go into that too much, but I just want to use that to highlight that God keeps his, keeps his promises. Therefore, he is faithful. 
In blessing the people of Israel, Moses said this in Deuteronomy 33 and verse 26. There is none like God, O Jeshurun, who rides through the heavens to your help, through the skies in his majesty. The eternal God is your dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he trusts, oh, sorry, he thrusts out the enemy before you and said, destroy. But I really want to highlight that underneath are the everlasting arms. It's like God is saying, when I keep covenant, I also keep you in my protection. The everlasting arms of my covenant. To King David, we go through the, the, New, the Old Testament again. God speaks through the prophet Nathan, one of the most profound prophetic words ever. God says this in 2 Samuel. I hope you can read that. It says, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. You see, it was David's heart to build a house for the Lord. It was David's desire to have a place erected unto their God in which he could dwell and which the nation could come and worship. You see, David had blood on his hands. And it wasn't the right person to do this. So God is saying, from you, one of your offspring will build a house for me. I will, t- I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. These words in the physical, in a practical sense, were fulfilled in Solomon, the son of David. But we have to see that this is a messianic prophecy or a messianic word of God to David. This is in fact actually about Jesus And that Jesus coming from the line of David, that his throne would be established forever. And that the house that God wanted was not about concrete and bricks and mortar. It wasn't about seeing all the wonders and beauty in the physical realm. But the house God wanted was his church. The house God wanted was you and I to come into unity together. You see, God will establish his house forever. He will establish his throne forever forever and he chooses you and I to do this see God is faithful which is why he sent his son Jesus therefore we find in the covenant promises of God the willingness and ability and overall determination of God himself to see them come to pass will you say with me God is faithful one more time God is faithful very good For you and I today, we approach God not based on natural birthright, but on spiritual birthright. We don't approach God because we are Israelites. We don't approach God because we're in covenant with him through our father Abraham. We don't approach God based upon these things that he promised in the Old Testament, but one promise, and that promise is his son, Jesus. You see, as Gentile believers, and most of us would be Gentile believers, We have one way to know God, and it is Jesus. 
See, God, I believe, will call his people, Israel, to account. God, I believe, will reveal his son at the right time, at the closing of the church age, at the closing on that day when he returns. The children of Israel, because God is an everlasting God, will have their opportunity. But we as a church have to declare and continually proclaim the good news of Jesus because it's us being faithful to God's faithfulness. God demonstrates His faithfulness to you and I because in the creation of Adam and Eve, He wanted to see all humanity blessed. Through sin, we see the failure of this on our part. But the faithfulness of God was that back through one man, although one man failed, one man sinned and brought death into the world, through one man, Jesus Christ, he brings salvation and relationship and hope back to the world. It's an open door for you and I to come to Christ. For covenant to be truly everlasting, it must be founded on God who is spirit. Which is why you and I approach not on birthright, but on spiritual birth. Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. He talks of those, uh, to the Samaritan woman, he says those who will worship in spirit and in truth. He talks about coming to him because not of what we do, but of who we are. Birthrights as sons of God. He talks about being born into the kingdom. Not born from our mother again, but born of the Spirit. God in His infinite wisdom knew this. He knew that for a covenant to truly be faithful, it had to be based upon Spirit. Plan A was always Jesus. Plan A was always Jesus. wasn't. Plan A was always Jesus. If, if plan A wasn't always Jesus, then the tree would not have been put in the garden. If plan A wasn't always Jesus, we wouldn't have free will to choose. Plan A always was that God would show his faithfulness by he himself becoming one of us. Plan A was always to be fulfilled in his son, Jesus. Thankfully, we get to look at the Old Testament through the cross. Thankfully, we get to see it. And in every story, we can see God's faithfulness and Jesus being fulfilled through that. You and I get to look back at history and say, this was all about bringing me into the place that I am today. Jesus came to do one thing, to reveal the Father to you and I. He came so that we can be restored back to the Father. He came to demonstrate His eternal faithfulness by taking the punishment of sin upon Himself. How did Jesus do this? If we've gone through the Old Testament really, really quickly, as briefly as we could today, looking at the covenants, as briefly as we could looking at some of the patriarchs like Abraham and David and even Solomon as he built the temple, As we've gone through these things, they lead us to this one point, which is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus can do this because he said this. I told you 
and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not amongst my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Right here, Jesus declares that he is God. And the Pharisees wanted to kill him. Right here. And you see in the language that he's using. He's using this faithfulness, covenant um, working God to demonstrate that this was God's plan from day one. And he and God standing in your midst are one. And I think that's really, really important for us today. Jesus is God. God not only said that he would make a way, but that he became that way to eternal life himself. How faithful is our God? Would you not say everlasting unto everlasting? God is faithful. He demonstrates that God is for you and not against you. In the depths of our despair, when you and I were separated from God, never ever going to work our way into His presence, let alone His favor, God steps in the midst and says, here I am. God's faithfulness to keep his covenant and to see his promises fulfilled in your life are all seen in the life of Jesus. You want to know who God is, you need to look at Jesus. How faithful was our God? How faithful was Jesus? In that, in that garden of Gethsemane, on his knees, crying out to his father in so much anguish, That he sweated drops of blood. That he cried out to his God. The pain and the anguish that he was going through. But yet he said, not my will God, but yours be done. In begging God to take the cup from him. Because in his humanity, he could not see a way in how he would come through the trial of the cross. In his humanity, he could not see how he would take upon himself the beatings that were due because of what you and I did. Because of his, in his humanity, he did not know how he would endure. After being flogged and stripped and beaten... And all sorts of things. He did not know how he would carry that cross and then die upon it. But because he was God, because he knew his Father, because he knew of his faithfulness, he knew that God would not let him down in that moment. And he provides the strength that he needed to get up and say, not my will, but yours be done. You see, God is a faithful God. And you and I can sit back and we can think about the things in our life. And we can think about how God's promises for me at this moment might not seem to be coming through. That God promised 
to fulfill something in you or through you or that God has called you to do something amazing, whatever it is, and you're starting to slide back in doubt and fear. And it was really significant that Jamie challenged us to trust God this morning. It was really significant because God is saying, do you trust my faithfulness today? Do you trust that I will come through in promise for you? Because he who promises is faithful. He will keep covenant through to the end. Because our covenant is not based upon what we did, but wholly and solely on what he did for us. His faithfulness will never give up on us. He will lead us through every trial, through every temptation, through every good and bad period of our life because of one thing and one thing alone. He is faithful. From His faithfulness, He shows you how much He loves you. From His faithfulness, He reveals that He is love. And next week we'll find out that because He is just, we're going to understand a little bit more about Him. And then the week after that, we're going to find out that He's holy. And then therefore, be holy for I am holy. What that means for us. And the following week, we're going to understand that God is sovereign in all circumstances. Which means in the midst of whatever trial you're going through right now, not only is He faithful to bring you through it, but He's able to hold you by the hand and lead you through it. Is He not sovereign? Is he not just? Is he not holy? Is he not good? Is God not faithful? You see, you've got good news to tell. And while ever the devil can make you think that your life is going downhill, he keeps you silent. But your God is good. And the more you tell people about how good he is, the more you tell people how faithful he is, how he comes through in every circumstance in your life, and how you've had to learn to hold on to the promises of God, but in the end he comes through because he keeps his promises, you become a fiery burning witness for him. And you demonstrate faithfulness because he is faithful. This is what held me together two years ago when I was in Canberra Hospital with my wife. It wasn't the love of God. It wasn't the justice of God. I couldn't see justice in anything. My wife three times dying in that hospital. But what I could hang on to was that he is faithful. And he would not bring me a daughter for my wife to miss out on bringing her up. Is God faithful in his promises to you? Amen? Is he faithful? Think about it. And my challenge would be this week, as you think about the faithfulness of God, start to be grateful for where He's come through in your life. Be grateful for where He's challenged you and stretched you and brought opportunities for you to grow and opportunities for you to see that if you take one more step, you'll grow in your faith because you'll understand that you're leaning on His faithfulness and not your own. It's really good to stay back here in your comfort zone. But when you put yourself in a place where you've actually got to step out and trust in him, then you're understanding his faithfulness. You see, God will bring you through. He will always bring you through. We need to wrap this up with the New Testament. The Apostle Paul was able to declare it. 
Even after being stoned, beat, shipwrecked, whipped, flogged, bashed, all sorts of things. The Apostle Paul declared in 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. See, Paul went through some atrocities in his life, and yet he continued to serve God. Sadly, I see Christians today, the moment a storm rises, they run and they hightail it, and they're nowhere to be seen. But we've got to learn from people like the Apostle Paul, who when it got tough, he got going. You see the old saying, when it gets tough, the tough gets going? Yeah? See, God doesn't promise you that everything's going to be sweet, smooth, and sailing. Even the Israelites, he said, I'm going to lead you into a land of milk and honey. But you've got to read into that that there was going to be bulls and bees. Like if there's milk, there's definitely bulls. If there's bees, I mean, if there's honey, there's got to be bees. And sometimes you've got to learn how to accommodate what there is so that you can reap the blessing. You can reap the blessing in the midst of that. A bee smoker comes, a bee, someone who collects the honey smokes the bees so they all fall asleep so that they can reap the reward. In every circumstance, in every situation that you're going through in your life, you have to trust that God has an answer that will see you break through. In every circumstance, there is always an answer and it's offered to you in grace. There is always a gift available to see you grow in the kingdom. Always. You have anxiety in your life. Jesus offers peace, does he not? So you learn, not only is God faithful, but he is my rest. He is my refuge. He is my peace in the midst of trial. And you overcome your anxiety by trusting in the one who is your provider. It's in every situation, in every circumstance, it's the same. Because he is faithful through to a thousand generations. The Apostle Paul continues, When you feel that temptation is unbearable, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You see, the faithfulness of God is that he provides you a way of escape. In every situation, by his grace, he provides for you a gift to upgrade in faith. There's a good word for someone today. God is wanting to upgrade you. Amen? If you trust in his faithfulness, you will be upgraded in him. The writer of Hebrews, writing to the person who was considering to the people who were considering to move beyond the faith that they had in Jesus and go back to the old ways of living. These are called apostates. They're people who would embrace Jesus, but then say no to him and go back to the law or go back to the ways of their living. Okay, Hebrews 10.23. He says this, Let us... Oh, I didn't put that one up there for you. He says, Let us hold fast... 
the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who is promised is faithful. Meaning, don't give up by focus, your focus. Trust and have faith. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's a responsibility on us to outwork our faith by trusting in his faithfulness. God is faithful, is he not? God is faithful, is he not? He is. Someone who walked with God, someone who walked with Jesus was the Apostle John. And 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sometimes it's a sin barrier in our life. We're not able to break through. We're not able to come into this place of trust. We're not able to, to come to this place where we begin to lean on God's faithfulness. Sometimes it's because there's a sin barrier in our life. There's something that we're doing that the flesh enjoys more, and it's stopping the work of God to bring transformation in your life. God is faithful to forgive if we would approach Him as His sons and daughters. God is faithful to set you free if you would trust in His blood and the work of His cross. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is He not faithful? This ultimately comes down And all boils down to this encouragement. If God is faithful, then by grace, faithfulness is available to you and I. By grace, our faithfulness is seen. By grace, not by works, we become faithful. We become more like Jesus, who was faithful to the end. We become more like Paul, who through every challenge and trial was able to stand up even unto his martyrdom. We become like John, who proclaimed the Christ and was exiled to the island of Patmos. We become like those Hebrew believers who the writer wrote to, who turned away from the old way and embraced the way of faith. We become faithful because he who promised is faithful. It's not based upon you, but it's based upon what he's done in you, through you, and has made available for you. If God is faithful, what does that mean for you? If God is faithful, what promises do you need to hang on to today? If God is faithful, and you've been thinking that no one notices you at church, and no one sees you, and that your gift is going under, and if, if, if you're thinking that, you know, I just can't find my purpose, I might as well just not attend anymore. Wherever you are in all of those thinkings, if you trust God and you look to Him and you thank Him for His faithfulness and you find where He's been faithful in your life, an example of that would be to those who were baptized in two weeks ago. This is a memorial stone of your faith. It's a day that you said yes to God's faithfulness. And you can wake up, those of you that have been baptized in other times, you can wake up and you can choose to say, that day was the day I dedicated my life to Jesus. Lord Jesus, 
I recommit myself to you. If you'd like to recommit yourself to Jesus now, would you stand to your feet? See, I think there's something about the faithfulness of God that just challenges me to say, I want more of him. Something about the faithfulness of God that where I fail, where I am weak, he is always strong. Where I fail, he will never let me down. And it's not based upon what I'm doing. It's not based upon how I do this. It's based upon the grace that he makes available today. If You'll stand with me right now and say yes to Jesus. You want to stand with me and say, I want to embrace your faithfulness right now. Then I want to pray with you. And I believe a gift of faith is going to come on your life this week to trust God, to say yes to him. And you're going to see these breakthroughs and your promises come through. Amen. Is there anyone that wants to stand this morning? And I'll close in prayer. Father, you are faithful. Even through a thousand generations, you keep your promises. It is so good to know about you, Lord God, but it's even better to know you. Show yourself faithful to us this week. Keep your promises you made to us. Teach us to persevere and to pursue wisdom. May our hearts hunger and thirst for you. May our hearts seek after righteousness. May our hearts be fulfilled as you faithfully keep your promises to us. I pray, Lord God, today for those who are standing that a gift of grace would be theirs, that they would encounter you in a real way this week, that you would gather them in under your everlasting arms as you did your people, the Israelites, that they would see that under them is the everlasting arms of our God and your hands no one can snatch us out of. Jesus, you declare that when you said that you and the Father are one, it means that you are our comforter. You are our brother, our God, our friend. You walk with us and you lead us with those everlasting arms. Embrace us today. Teach us your faithfulness and give us a grateful heart your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jamie.